Why, hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. I'm Michelle, and I'm here with my good friend, Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne, how are you today? I'm doing good, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you feeling jet-lagged from your quick trip up to Seattle? <laughs> Not really. No, it, it was pretty uneventful and pretty, um, yeah, easy. Easy peasy. Was it uneventful, though, Suzanne? Or is there a story you'd like to share about your flight to Seattle? Oh, my goodness. There is such a story. Yeah. And just giving everyone a heads up before I tell my story. It's a disgusting story. You know, and I thought I had cornered the market on disgusting flight stories in the past. But this one really took the cake. So just if you don't want to hear it, because you'll never unhear it once you hear it. <laughs> so you might want to just right. it, it fast forward. <laughs> kind of triggering. And when you put that teaser out into the universe that you had this experience, I was like, oh, how bad could it be? And then you shared it. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, it's one of those stories. I sent the teaser out in a text to our gang of six. And you know, and Jeff's like, that's not fair. You have to tell us what the story is. You can't just dangle it until the next time we're together. And I said, I know, but I think it's going to lose something in translation when I text it. But it really didn't lose anything in its translation. I think it was no, I speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with Jeff. You put that teaser out there and I'm like, oh, come on, Suzanne. You can't. <laughs> be doing that and then <laughs> you shared your reason why and it definitely does not lose anything in translation, translation there <laughs> yeah okay so just we'll just hop to it because it's just an unbelievable story so I was on my flight to Seattle and the next detail I'm sharing I think is relevant it's not that I'm <laughs> overweight prejudice. You know, I, I'm no skinny mini myself, but the woman sitting next to me at the window, you know, was probably 300 pounds. And, you know, she wasn't the most well-groomed person. You know, she had a few issues. And, you know, with the COVID thing and where we have to wear our masks, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is all good. But she had been, you know, coughing a little bit. And But I thought, okay, she has her mask. I have my mask. And about halfway through the flight, okay, well, first I have to back up just a little bit. The row in front of me, there were two men. And one of them spilled their drink. Now, you, you remember my vomit story when someone put the vomit bag in the console between the two seats and we hit turbulence and bounce, bounce, bounce. The vomit ended up landing on my foot. So this guy spilled his drink and the flight attendant looks at me and he said, hey, you might want to check your bag under the seat. You know, it might be wet. So I said, oh, okay. So I pull out my bag and this flight attendant was an idiot. I mean, I just, he was so rude. And yeah, sure enough, my bag had red wine or something spilled all over it. And, and so I'm sitting there with nothing to wipe it off with. And so I finally look at him and I say, can I get a couple of napkins, you know, to wipe this up? And and he said, well, when I'm finished here, I'll get you some napkins. And I'm thinking, okay, you're the one that pointed it out to me. And now my, my backpack is sitting in red wine. And now I have to wait for you to finish cleaning up whatever you're doing anyway. So halfway through the flight, the woman next to me, 
I could tell she was getting uncomfortable. And this is where her weight issue comes in because I know she didn't want to try and get up and get past me to go to the restroom. And so she starts this sneezing fit and (laughs) she sneezes and sneezes and sneezes into her mask. And this stupid flight attendant comes by or she maybe even rang the bell and she said, hey, could I get a few tissues? And I was watching my show on my iPad. So I wasn't paying a lot of attention to what was going on. And he said, yeah, I'll be right back. And so she has this sneezing fit. And he doesn't come back and he doesn't come back. So she takes her mask and blows her nose into her mask. And then she tucks her mask into the back pocket of the seat in front of her. And he comes back by and he hands her the tissue. And this is like, you know, five, 10 minutes later, hands her the tissues or the napkins. And he says, ma'am, you have to put your mask back on. And so she reaches into the back pocket and pulls out the mask and puts it back on. The mask that she just blew her notes into. I am feeling super uncomfortable right now. <laughs> and I wasn't even sitting next to her. Like, I don't know what to say about that. I know. Well, and after the fact, I was really beating myself up because it's like, okay, why wasn't I paying close enough attention? Why didn't I offer her a tissue? You know, I guess I was just leaving it on this flight attendant. She didn't ask me if I had a tissue. I was watching my program on my iPad, but I thought I could have prevented I even had an extra mask in my backpack, but I felt like things happened so quickly and this flight attendant was such an idiot that, you know, it just happened. And it's like, okay, I should have been paying attention. I should have first offered her a Kleenex. I first should have offered her a new mask, but I didn't. Didn't even occur to me. And I thought, okay, I'm not a very good seatmate, for one thing, because I could have prevented it all um, if I had just paid closer attention to what was going on. But she didn't seem bothered at all <laughs> by putting on the mask that she had just blown her nose into. She didn't seem bothered at all by putting it back on. And then she fell asleep and she slept the rest of the flight with that mask over her nose and mouth that she had just sneezed into. Oh my gosh, that is so disgusting. At least it was a relatively short flight. True. She only had to wear that mask for like an hour (laughs) after she put it back on. That's just nasty, though. But, you know, I'm going to go into my little rant about, you know, rage, flying, you know, people losing their patience, people, you know, not, okay. And I blame the masks. I blame the masks. It's like, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Flying is never comfortable. Flying is never fun. And when everyone was mandated to wear masks while they fly, I think things snapped in people. And I was just listening to this story on the news from the head of the flight attendants union or whatever, talking about how, you know, unfair this is and how now flight attendants are in a dangerous situation. And these passengers need to be banned from all domestic flights. And, you know, we need to have a no fly list for passengers, unruly passengers. And I found myself just seething mad because it's like, or let's drop the mask mandate and let people have some level of comfort 
<laughs> again, where you're not breathing into this stupid mask the whole flight. It's like, it's such an issue for me. One of my other observations real quick, while I went to my grandson's house for his birthday, was that two-year-olds can run like a bandit. <laughs> and I realized that it only takes a second for them to get away from you. And I was- Did you lose your grandson? I didn't quite lose him, but there were several occasions where it's like, okay, I've got to step up my pace. And you would think those tiny little legs would be in a constant run mode just to keep up with like my long stride. And I'm a pretty fast walker. So it's like, okay, so he- You just, definitely are. Yeah. So he just wants to keep up with me. And, but okay, he can see something and just bolt. And it's like, okay, and I'll give you my example. So we decided on one beautiful morning that we were going to take him to the zoo. And so you have to get your tickets, you get in the line that they have roped off. And it's, you know, it's like a snake line. And two year olds fit under the rope. Grandmas don't fit under the rope. So we're in a line, the snake line, you know, about three cur turns back. And he decides he's going to take off. And he makes a straight line for a turn around a wall. <laughs> and I realize he's run under the ropes through the people. And as a grandma, I can't run under the ropes. I have to weave in and out. So he has a good 10 second head start on me. Plus, he's running like a gazelle through the zoo. And yeah, and he's gone. And I'm like, holy crap. That fast, I could lose my two-year-old. <laughs> and fortunately, I caught up with him before he literally disappeared into the bowels of the zoo. <laughs> I'm just saying. I had forgotten that two-year-olds can move like that when they want to. And he was having the time of his life. He was laughing and, yeah, had no idea the danger he was running himself into. <laughs> just Right. Off. They're crafty and they are creative. I remember more so with my younger son and he gets horrified when I tell him <laughs> I used to have you on a leash, not one around his like throat right. or anything, but on his, his wrist, right. I had Velcro, which attached to me because he was so fast. And if I turned my head for a second, he would be gone and I wasn't going to lose him in Disneyland. Exactly. Well, and my daughter-in-law and I had this conversation. She said, would you judge me if I put him on a leash? And I said, hell no. And leash is such an ugly word, really, for a child. It's not a leash. It's just an attachment. It's an appendage to yourself so that they have a little bit of freedom, but you can rein them in. Because my daughter, when she was three, and I had a baby that I was carrying all the time, she would bolt. You can't put down your baby to take off after your three-year-old. You have to have some way to hang on to them. So I would put my daughter on an attachment so that she could still run around, but she couldn't get away from me. And I felt that way about my grandson. It's like, heck yeah, I'd keep him on something where he can run around, but he's not going to get away from me. I can rein him back in. A point of connection. Yes. Just connecting the, the two wrists together. So exactly. 
they're not lost. I know. I love it. I had no problem with it and I would use it again too. Oh boy, when I, I have too. the opportunity to use it, I definitely will yeah. be implementing that into the diaper bag I carry or backpack, exactly. whatever it might be. Exactly. In the last episode, Suzanne, we started to touch on a subject that we have wanted to discuss Mm-hmm. for a while. And that would be the five different love languages. Are you up for talking about that today? Have you taken the quiz to see where you <sighs> fall on the different love languages? I have taken the quiz. And I retook the quiz before this episode. So I would know where I fell. Of course, the quiz annoyed the heck out of me. Because it's like, okay, these are stupid questions. <laughs> Yeah. Is it more meaningful if your spouse gives you a hug or if your spouse brings you a gift? Well, it's like neither one to me is that meaningful. And it's like, so don't use those two. I thought you would say gift. Well, I did say gift because I had to choose one or the other. And But it's like those, neither one, I mean, of course, when my husband gives me a gift, it's meaningful. But I'm not like standing by waiting for him to give me something. And so anyway, it was a stupid quiz, but I did take it again. How about you? I did take it. And I thought that along the way also, neither of these are mine, but if I have to choose one, I will. I didn't argue with the quiz Mm -hmm. or anything, but there were a lot of questions there that we had to make our way through. Mm -hmm. And I had hoped to do a quiz here today, but again, there are a lot of questions there. And so I think it would take a while. Well, we could but, do um, it. it. We could do the quiz because I, I think it's kind of nice to have the quiz. So if you're listening to us, you know what we're referring to. Okay. Well, we won't do the primary one. People can go check that out themselves. Mm-hmm. But why don't we talk about the five different languages of love? I mm-hmm. won't put them in any order as we talk about them. And then I'll let you know how mine fell into place. You can let me know how yours fell into place. And mm-hmm. then we can go from there. Okay, which is good. So what is the first language of love you would like to talk about? Or, or can you remember them? I actually took a screenshot of them because I knew I would forget. Good deal. Well, and I think we're going to, we should start with the obvious physical touch, which okay, my results, I got 0%. <laughs> Just Well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> at all. So here's what it says about physical touch. And I am directly quoting from the five lovelanguages.com website. This is what they say about physical touch. And you can agree, disagree, or add your input once I'm done reading it. So physical touch. This language isn't all about the bedroom. A person whose primary language is physical touch is not surprisingly very touchy. Hugs, pats on the back, holding hands, and thoughtful touches on the arm, shoulder, or face, they can all be ways to show excitement, concern, care, and love. Physical presence and accessibility are crucial, while neglect or abuse can be unforgivable and destructive. Physical touch fosters a sense of security and belonging in any relationship. That is their description of physical touch, Okay, which and I think is a wonderful description. It is. And... Years ago, when Jeff and I visited New York City, there's a restaurant, I want to say it's called Union City Grill. I don't think that's the name of it, but it's by the same person that owns Shake Shack. And he talks about 
that in, a, I think it was in a book that he wrote about his philosophy on his staff and how you treat customers. And he talks about touch and how he trains his wait staff to recognize people who appreciate touch. And he encourages them to touch someone on the arm or pat their back if they come across as touchy people because it acknowledges the need to be touched and how important it is. And I always go back to that because I always think, okay, and you and body language is usually, I believe, how people how this weight staff is trained to recognize whether these are touchable people or not touchable people. But it improves the experience in his restaurants when his wait staff reads the audience well and uses touch when they're taking orders. And I just found that fascinating. I do too. I think that's wonderful that he is so in tune with the needs some people have for physical touch. Mm -hmm. Have you ever though been sitting there at a restaurant and had somebody come up and just touch you on the shoulder like the wait staff and your automatic response is to pull away like what just happened? That has happened to me before. And physical touch wasn't my last love language, but it was number four. And I'm a genuine hugger. I like mm-hmm. to be hugged by those people I know. But when someone stranger comes up and touches my arm or puts their mm-hmm. hand on my shoulder, I do that body language is immediately pulling away. Well, and you know, what's I find very interesting about myself is that I am much more a touchable person to strangers <laughs> than I am to people I know and love. And I don't know why that is about me. But when I'm in my store, or if I'm at a restaurant, and a, a waiter comes up to me and touches my shoulder, unless it really startles me, I actually accept those types of touches very well. I actually appreciate them. And in my store, I will touch customers on the shoulder, or I will touch their hand or their arm when in a general conversation. And they're strangers, but I also feel some level of an affection there for these strangers, but I do not feel that way at all around people that I know and love. That fascinates me. I know. The whole concept of that fascinates me. I know. I think it is just one of those things that, you know, I know that about my dad. And I always thought that it was a learned behavior. And maybe it was a learned behavior, but maybe it was a genetic thing because of his profession. He hugged a lot of people and he touched a lot of people. And he was very affectionate with a lot of people that he didn't know personally really well. He knew them somewhat, but to his immediate family, I do remember him being very affectionate with my mom, but I didn't consider him an affectionate person. But in his profession, he was very affectionate. Okay. That could be a learned behavior. Learned or inherent. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. No, that's very interesting. We are going to have to explore that at some I point. I know. I just find it very fascinating. So even though I got 0% on my quiz, because in the quiz, it's referring to the person in your relationship, which I immediately pick as my husband or 
you know, someone close to me. It doesn't really refer to strangers. Exactly. And, you know, physical touch just really is a way of conveying so many messages, as it said. I mean, you can excitement to get their attention. So it's a way of communicating. So I mm -hmm. understand why you use it in like the business sense, where maybe not in the personal sense. So you okay. pick the next one. You pick the next language, love language. Okay. The next love language is quality time. And here is what the website says about quality time. In the vernacular of quality time, nothing says I love you like full, undivided attention. Being there for this type of person is critical, but really being there with the TV off, fork and knife down, and all chores and tasks on standby makes your significant other feel truly special and loved. Distractions, postponed dates, or the failure to listen can be especially hurtful. Quality time also means sharing quality conversation and quality activities. Okay. How do you feel about quality time? Well, I actually, 29% of my life language is quality time. And I'm not, I wasn't sure that I agreed with that, but I do know based on the quiz that I took that that made sense because a lot of times the options were enjoying private time with my significant other versus receiving a gift from my significant other. So I would pick, I'd rather spend time with him than receive a gift from him. So I think that's how I was swayed. And it's very interesting that you say you weren't sure if you were in agreement with it because that is my second love language also at 23%. Hmm. And when that happened, I... I I thought it would fall, quality time would fall a little. I'm agreeing with you there that that was a surprise. However, Rob might not agree because I guess last night when he went to get water, mm -hmm. he came back into the bedroom and I said, Rob, I'm really concerned. I don't feel like we spend enough time communicating and chatting anymore. And he's like, where the hell did that come from? It's <laughs> two in the morning. I'm like, I don't know. That's funny. That's really yeah, funny. So, quality time. Yeah. Well, and I am very content when Jeff and I can be in the same room doing separate things. And I consider that quality time. Like he can be reading an article about something and I can be working on my computer, but we're together in the same room. And I consider that we don't necessarily need to be having a conversation or doing the same activity like playing cards or you know, that's just not me. No, it's just being together, right. being in the same space, coexisting. Right. Okay. I enjoy it, but I, I don't. That. Yeah, but I don't necessarily need it, but I do enjoy it. I agree. I agree with that. Okay, so what would you like to bring up as the third type of love language? Receiving gifts. I knew you were going to pick that one. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, my screen right now with all the different verbiage is on receiving gifts because I knew we were going to go there. Oh, well, you know me well. <laughs> so should I read what it says? Um, sure. Or do you want to say something before I read it? Nope, you go right ahead. Okay. So according to the website, this is what they say about receiving gifts. Don't mistake this love language for materialism. The receiver of gifts thrives on the love thoughtfulness, and effort behind the gift. If you speak this language, the perfect gift or gesture shows that you are known, 
you are cared for, and you are prized above whatever was sacrificed to bring that gift to you. A missed birthday, anniversary, or a hasty thoughtless gift would be disastrous. So would be the absence of everyday gestures. Gifts are visual representations of love and are treasured greatly. Okay, so as we in the past, as we've talked about five love languages, I have always looked at it from the giver's point of view of love versus the receiver. Now, this quiz that we took is about being the receiver of affection, of touch, of gifts. So I have always mistakenly said, "Gift, I'm a the gift giving is my strongest. But that's because as the giver, that's the love language I speak. I give gifts and it's what I do best. And I'm always very proud of the gifts I give and they make me so happy when I give gifts. And that's my expression of love. But I do not receive gifts very well. And it's not that important to me. Yeah, that was really confusing to me reading about the five love languages because what I do might be different than how I like to receive. And so I didn't know how that all came together. So I'm happy to hear that you're having the same thoughts. Yes. And there must be a quiz, a follow-up quiz out there, which describes what kind of love giver you are, not what type of love receiver you are. Get what I'm saying? Because my, my, yeah, my list would be totally different if it was about how I portray love versus how I receive love. That's fair enough. And Mm -hmm. I just was so blown away as I was reading their description of receiving gifts. It's everything you say about how you feel when you give gifts, Suzanne. And I was just beyond with that. So happy that. (laughs) And I think that if I gave gifts to a person who that's the most important part of, or that's their top love language, I mean, I think I would just nail it. I think I would be their favorite person on earth because (laughs) I love giving gifts and they love receiving gifts. I mean, it would be a match made in heaven. That's what the grandson is about right now. (laughs) Well, true. I think he's a little part of it. Decide what his his love language is. But but do you see what I'm saying? It's like if I, if Jeff were, if gifts were his thing and I am a gift giver and he's a gift receiver, it's like, oh my God, we'd be, yeah, we'd be killing it right now. But he's not necessarily the gift receiver. That's probably not his love language. And I find receiving gifts awkward, very awkward Mm -hmm. a lot of times because how do they want me to react. And I think we've talked about this before, we have. because what if the reaction I give isn't exactly what they're expecting and then feelings get hurt. It just, for me, right. I don't really like receiving gifts. I mean, I like the concept of it, but it's mm-hmm. just awkward in the moment. Well, and I understand that. And that was a really hard thing for me to accept last year when our extended family gave up exchanging gifts at Christmas time because that's my favorite part of Christmas, but it's not the receiving the gifts, it's me giving the gifts. I spend so much time 
thinking about what I'm going to give people for gifts that it was really disappointing. It was a real letdown for me not to be able to give a gift. But I see what you're saying. It can be awkward when you receive a gift. Yeah, the reaction to it is always difficult. See, I just said that dumb word again. I remember years ago when I was dating my first husband and we hadn't been dating all that long, two months maybe. Mm -hmm. And he got me a sweatshirt for Christmas and I got him a really nice polo jacket and it just felt awkward. I just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not my thing. And I, I didn't care. I, I just thought maybe it made him feel uncomfortable or something because it was so different. Yeah, very interesting. Yes. So okay, well, let's move on. language number four. How about we go with words of affirmation? Okay. And here's what the website says about that. Actions don't always speak louder than words. If this is your love language, unsolicited compliments mean the world to you. Hearing the words, I love you, are important. Hearing the reasons behind that love sends your spirits skywards. Or sorry, skywards. <laughs> I can't even talk. What is wrong with me? Just skyward. Insults can leave you shattered and are not easily forgotten. Kind, encouraging, and positive words are truly life-giving. What do you think of that love language? That's a really good question. What do you think of it? I think it would or should have been a little bit higher, like maybe above time for me below. So that's in number three. Mm -hmm. And an unexpected I love you or an unexpected compliment, it mm. goes a long way. But yeah, it does. It goes a long way. What do you think? I agree. Well, and we talked about this in the past when we talked about random acts of kindness and how giving a strange, again, I go back to the strangers that I can freely hand out compliments to strangers very easily and like, oh, I love your shoes. And it does go a long way. I think people just really appreciate that. Now, again, as the receiver of it, I it kind of rolls off of me. Compliments and words of affection really roll off of me. And I hate to be insincere when I am giving compliments. I'm When I give a compliment, I'm very sincere about it. I don't struggle with it. I don't, you know, it's like I put it out there. But when I receive compliments, I'm usually kind of cynical about them. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm not buying this. I, I just don't, I don't receive words of affection very well. But I love to give words of affection, especially to strangers. And I know that about you. And I would agree that if there's sincerity behind them, or it comes from a place of joy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Words of affirmation. And to accept them myself, those unexpected things like the unexpected I love you or in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, you're down and dirty, like washing dishes or something, and your husband makes a really nice compliment or right. something in the moment, I'm good with that. But there has to be sincerity behind it with it. Right. And just the unexpected nature of it. I remember Rob and I a long time ago had this talk and he's like, I'm not going to tell you 
that you're doing a good job because that's what you should be doing. Everything you do, you should do the best you can do at it. He said, when I go into work, I don't expect my boss to come in and say, hey, you're doing a really good job today. That's what I'm being paid for. That's what the expectation should be. So when Rob compliments me or says something unexpected, it really means a lot just because I know it's not typically him. Not that he's mean or anything. No, but yeah, you can take it's just right. There's a lot of sincerity behind what he's saying to you. Right. Yes. He always talks so positively in everything. It's just right. He's not going to compliment you for what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Well, and I just want to one more thing I want to add on the flip side, which the description that you read points out is an insult. I can carry an insult with me for the rest of my life. If someone lays an insult on me, even if they don't mean it as an insult, if I take it as an insult, I will carry it for the rest of my life. I will too. I I don't get over it. I will forgive, I think. I get triggered though. I, I think I forgive and then I get triggered, but I don't ever forget. I know. And I think that's that's the lesson we should learn from that. It's the power of our words. That's that, a great episode in the future. It is. Because, yeah, what you say to someone could influence their brain, their thinking about you in so many different ways. And I think most people carry that with them at some level. I absolutely agree. And I've written that down because I know you didn't. You never write down your ideas for podcasts. <laughs> I'm glad you wrote it down. I know. And believe me, when I was in Seattle, I had like 10 great ideas for podcast episodes. And you think I would have written them down just to come back to them because I was like, God, this would make a great episode. And I forgot them all because I didn't write them down. Yeah. That's why I threw it out there just Mm -hmm. to guilt you. No, I'm just kidding. I threw it out there just because I thought it was funny. Okay. So the final love language. Acts you know what of, it is? Acts of service, which of course, I, that's my highest scoring one. Oh, no wonder we get along so well. It's mine also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Acts of service. Here's a little blurb about that. Can vacuuming the floors really be an expression of love? Absolutely. Anything you do to ease the burden of responsibilities weighing on the acts of service person will speak volumes. The words he or she most wants to hear. Let me do that for you. Laziness, broken commitment, making more work for them, tell speakers of this language their feelings don't matter. Finding ways to serve speaks volumes to the recipient of these acts. And that is my primary love language too, both in giving and receiving. I the same. Yep, I agree. And one thing that you said in that description that you read, I disagree with. <laughs> that... I don't like it, and Jeff doesn't do this, and I, he will just do something. Like, I will be working on my computer, and the last couple of weeks have been really busy for me at work, and so I sit and work on my computer in the evenings after the store closes, early in the mornings, and he'll just get up and do the dishes, and he'll clean the kitchen. And But what I wouldn't like is if he said, let me do that for you. And then he goes and because it's kind of like, oh, let me just point out that I'm doing this for you. And instead of just doing it, 
like it's as much his responsibility as it is mine and he will just do it if it's not getting done. But if he makes a point of pointing it out to me like, oh, here, let me do the vacuuming for you, I'll get pissed. Because it's like, just get the vacuum and do it. (laughs) Don't tell me you're going to do it, just do it. But he's very good at just doing it and not pointing it out to me. And I think where the pointing out comes in could be in that moment where you're spiraling a little, where you're feeling completely overwhelmed and you have this and this and this and this coming at you. And they take the time to say and then follow up on what they've asked um, Mm -hmm. and do it. So I was spiraling the other day. I had so much coming at me. And Rob said, what can I do for you right now? In that moment where there's so many options to choose from, what's the one thing he can do? Right. I appreciated it. Right. But that is totally different than him saying, let me do the vacuuming for you. Because then you see what I'm saying? It's like he's offering. He's like, how can I make this better for you? Instead of pointing out to you that he is trying to make it better for you. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess there's a slight difference there. I know, I'm I'm splitting hairs probably. Yeah, I'm really trying to be mindful of my words, Suzanne, and you're throwing me for a loop. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) There's just times where I think it's okay to say, let me do that for you. And in a case where I'm melting down and he can see I'm getting frustrated. Okay, here's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. We got the stupid, and it's not stupid because it really is a blessing and it helps me. It's Mm -hmm. an act of service. We got the stupid iRobot thing that cleans our floors. It'll vacuum, it'll wash the floor. And I was getting so frustrated because I couldn't get it to connect to the internet. And this was our second go around. The first one, I never could get it to work. So I sent it back. We tried with another one. I was having the same issue. And finally, Rob came over and said, let me do that for you. In that case, he could see my frustration was so great. Yeah. And I agree with you. It was very appreciated. Yep. I agree. And with he got you. it working. And so nice. now it's an act of service every day. Nice. Those are the five languages of love. And do you want to tell me what order yours came out on when you did the quiz? Yes. I mean, I think I've kind of already given that way. But acts of service, you know, by far, number one for me, quality time was number two. And then down further on the list, you know, percentage wise, were words of affirmation and receiving gifts. And then physical touch, of course, was dead last. How about you? Okay, And we are very close on that. And that's probably why we get along so well. Um, My first one was acts of service at 37%, quality time at 23%. At 20%, I had words of affirmation. And then the last two could be flip Locked. Physical touch was 10% and the receiving gifts was 10%. Interesting. Yeah, I found it fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, well, I have really enjoyed jumping into the five love languages. Uh, It was Dr. Gary Chapman. Mm -hmm. Is that the right? That's correct. He was the one that created the love languages and he has a wonderful website, Five which is the number five lovelanguages.com. And you can get all the quizzes there. You can do this quiz and find out what your love language is. And then maybe gently or not so gently suggest it to your partner. Right. So have them take it also. Did your partner take it also? 
he didn't take it this time, but he has taken it in the past. And his number one love language was also acts of service. So we're mm. very balanced there. How and, about Jeff? You know, Jeff did take it. My my daughter-in-law was the one that introduced this whole concept to us about uh, probably five years ago. And we all took the quiz then. I didn't even ask Jeff this time around to take the quiz, but I can't remember what he was. He was different than me, though. He wasn't acts of service was not. It was on, towards the top of the list, but it was not the number one. But I don't remember what it was. Okay. So his gentle nudges or his hitting you over the head, like, remember this about me, Suzanne, just <laughs> yeah, fell flat. Yeah. If you had to guess, what would his love language be? I actually think it is the effect. Don't say physical touch. No, it's the uh, okay. words of affirmation or... Again, I it's hard for me to, he doesn't like to receive gifts. He loves to give gifts. He loves words of affirmation. He's given up on physical touch. You know, that might be what he likes, but he's given up on that with me. <laughs> but not really. I think he's either words of affirmation or receiving gifts. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, this was a fun episode. We really don't have time for a quiz because we've gone through everything here. Anything else you would like to share before we close this episode out? Oh, yes. How could I forget? You know what's coming up in less than a week in my world? Justin uh, Bieber. <laughs> Just oh, shit. Yeah. I wasn't thinking if you would have said in Jeff's world and the excitement behind it. Oh, I would have got God. it, but in your world. Oh my God. It's like, this is like the end all of everything. And we all know that Jeff is this huge Justin Bieber fan. And so we've been listening to Justin Bieber around the clock, which I, as much as I complain about it, I will appreciate it when I'm at the concert because I will know every single song he sings and I will know the words to every single song he sings. And it will be a really good concert just because I know all of his music because we have listened to it around the clock. But <laughs> I do just have to say, I did when I purchased these tickets two years ago the, and the concert was canceled because of COVID, I did purchase VIP, the Diamond VIP experience with Justin Bieber. And so I just got the list of what to expect and the instructions on how to get your VIP experience. And I'm like, this is a whole episode in and of itself. But I think it has to wait until after we go to the concert. So I can tell you all okay. about it. <laughs> Okay, I'd be down with that. But I do have to ask, has Jeff already picked out his outfit for the concert? Well, Is he, he going to wear a Bieber shirt? He has a Bieber shirt, thanks to you. You gave him one. And I do, I know. I do think he will probably wear that shirt. But as part of our VIP experience, we do get VIP merchandise when we arrive. <laughs> And it could oh, be you get a goodie bag. We get a goodie bag. Yes. It doesn't tell us what's in the goodie bag. And then you have the opportunity to purchase more VIP experience merchandise once you get there. So And I'll I guess <laughs> when it's coming from Justin Bieber or someone to his status, mm -hmm. they don't call them goodie bags, they call them swag bags. Yeah. I they call it in the description it's it's a very formal letter that you get about what 
the rules are, what you have to expect, when you have to be there, where you go. Yeah, it's very, it's like, yikes, this is serious stuff. And it's going to be fascinating for me to find out the demographics of the other people who have VIP experience tickets, because we're old (laughs) to be in the fifth row of a Justin Bieber concert. We are old, old people. So it's going to be really interesting to see if there are a lot of 20-year-olds who put out the kind of money I did for VIP experience tickets. I'm just saying. I, I so wish there was like a drone flying over with all right? the teeny boppers. Right? <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, that would and be awesome. I know. And one of the things that is really a bummer for me is I can only carry in, and this is the stadium rules, not the Justin Bieber rules, but I can only have this four by five inch clutch and you're not supposed to take your phones in. You're supposed to check your phones. (laughs) We'll see if that really happens because it's like, how can I have this and not take photos? How can we be going to a Justin Bieber concert and not take photos? Exactly. And do you have a bag that size or will you be making a trip to Louis Vuitton just to get a bag that size? I do have a bag that size because I've gone to football games at the, it's an arena for the Cardinals and you have to have that size bag to get into any sporting event. So I do have one, but my phone doesn't fit in it. So there you have it. You need pictures. I know. I know. But I wonder if Jeff can take his, like if he puts his phone in his pocket, you know, because he won't have a clutch. He won't need that, but it'll just be interesting to see. He'll just be proudly walking around with a swag bag. Right. I know. We have a meet and greet. And his his purchases. Yep. We have a meet and greet. There is a photo opportunity, a group photo. You don't get a one-on-one photo with Justin, but you do get a group photo. Yep. I, oh my I, gosh. I cannot I wait know, right? to hear about this. Right? I'm do so I excited. Have, do I have we a should have whole... led with this. What is wrong with you forgetting <laughs> about this till the very end? Instead, we start with some story about well, a lady who sneezed and I know. Well, this is a teaser for an upcoming episode because I do think I can cover a, an entire podcast about this concert. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to to fill a whole hour about Justin Bieber I'm and our sure experience. You, <laughs> you won't you won't have I a lot to say. You'll have to do a lot of listening, but it'll be it'll be worth it, I think. I am completely down with that. So a teaser and this is a teaser only because it hasn't happened yet, not because she wants to leave you hanging. Right, right. None of us know how this is all going to shake down. I will tell you this, though, in the directions, we have to get a COVID test and we have to have a vaccination card and we have to have a rapid test at the concert. Oh, my gosh. I know. That is a lot of precautions. Well, you write down all your notes as to how you want that episode to go, starting with the rules and then maybe the night before if Jeff could sleep or not, like just how it all went down. Oh, yeah. I'm on it. Down with it. I am on it. Okay. Well, I guess with all that shared and with that to look forward to, I'm just going to say cheers. Cheers. Cheers.